Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Greetings, music nerds, and welcome to Season 6 of Music Makers and Soul Shakers. I am your host, Steve Dawson, coming to you from the Hen House Studio here in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm really excited to be bringing you this new season of shows coming to you on the first and third Wednesdays of every month. I have a great lineup of fascinating conversations with incredible musicians, songwriters, guitarists, steel guitarists, drummers, composers, who knows what else. I've been having an incredible time diving deep with these folks, and I know you're going to enjoy listening. Just a reminder that this year I've taken out the short song samples through the show, as things have gotten way more complicated as far as legal use of music goes, so I'll be making an accompanying Spotify playlist to each episode, which you'll find in the episode's show notes and at the website at makersandshakerspodcast.com. So anytime you hear this cute little slide guitar sound, you'll know there's a track to go along with it on the playlist. We have some new sponsors this year, but continue to be largely listener-supported. Your help in keeping the show going is always appreciated, and you can do it with a one-time donation or a Patreon subscription. Patreon is a monthly payment of your choice, and when you sign up for that, you get a bit of added content as well as an ad-free version of the show to listen to. If you don't feel like kicking in any dough, that's cool too, but you can help by subscribing for free on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or just spread the word by sharing the show, following us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and telling all your pals about it. You can get links to all this stuff, of course, at makersandshakerspodcast.com. Meanwhile, many thanks to our sponsors this season. Please check them out and let them know that I sent you. They are Isotope, Ear Trumpet Labs, Union Tube and Transistor, Black Mountain Picks, and Spectra 1964. Hey there, folks and music nerds. Welcome back to season six of the show. So glad you could join me today. This is episode number 128. And my guest today is someone whose music I was introduced to fairly recently. She's a killer steel player. And she's been living and working out of Austin, Texas for quite a few years. And her name is Rose Sinclair. We had this conversation over Zoom a few months back. And I'm thrilled to be bringing it to you today. So hope everyone's doing well out there. And I hope all you music folks are getting back to it. I've been working fairly solidly, I guess. And uh, pretty grateful for that. I'm not touring as much as I was before, but I'm in the studio quite a bit these days, so I'm getting by on sessions and mixing and some remote work still, which is sort of a weird holdover of the COVID era, I guess. Touring's weird these days. I don't know. I'm hoping things chill out a bit on the whole expense level side of things. It's so bonkers out there, and trying to make all that work anymore is almost impossible, it seems to me. Fees haven't really gone up for musicians and bands, although they kind of have for the upper echelon of bands. I've really noticed the people that are like at the top are making kind of obscene amounts of money and most of us working stiff musicians are making the same as what we did pre-pandemic but everything's way more expensive now and so that makes touring with a band almost I find prohibitively expensive these days. That said it seems like everyone is out there going full tilt 
that's the impression I get. So I guess that's good for all you touring folks out there. Keep her up. And, uh, oh, I just wanted to point out that the Hen House Hang that you've been hearing about this season now has some 2023 dates. And although it's a little early for that, we are now going to be openly booking those spots. So if you're interested in getting in on the Hen House Hang in 2023, that's going to be September 18 to 21, right after the Americana Fest here in Nashville, 2023. Okay, so Rose Sinclair, I first heard about her in one of those guitar magazines a while back. I read something about her, and she sounded interesting, so I got her latest album, which is called Wave. Um, There's some debate about whether it's an album or an EP, but we get into that. And uh, she refers to her current music as cocktail swing, and I can get with that. But they're basically playing jazz standards with most of the heads and a lot of the solos being played on the steel, although there's uh, sax and piano on the record and drums and bass. And uh, Rose plays a classic double neck steel with no pedals. She doesn't use any effects. She doesn't even use a volume pedal. And she's just really forged a, a a really cool style and sound and a voice of her own. And uh, that's a tricky thing to do on a non-pedal steel, I'll tell you. She started out as a multi-instrumentalist, playing bass, guitar, banjo, and even accordion in bands around Massachusetts, where she's originally from. And uh, she eventually got into the steel, as you'll hear in our conversation, and that led to her moving to Austin, Texas, to immerse herself in Western swing music. And, you know, another really fascinating element about Rose's career is that she's really dug into the roots of the style and tracked down some of the original generation of steel players and and actually had a chance to study with them and hang out with them. So we talk about that a fair chunk, too, and I find that fascinating. So that's players like Maurice Anderson, Pee Wee Whitewing, and Herb Steiner are some of the people that she has spent a lot of time with. Um, Rose is actively making records out of Austin, and she has a weekly gig at Sam's Town Point, also in Austin. So please check out her amazing record, Wave, which I love. And you can find out about her new projects, which she has going now, and any touring she might be doing. I'm not sure if she is currently or not, but uh, I don't think so. She's mostly hanging around in Austin. But if she is out there, you can find all that at rosesinclairmusic.com. And finally, before we get going, I would just like to put a shout out to the following folks who made donations or signed up to the Patreon over the last couple of weeks, Amanda Zimmerman and Gerald Palmer. Thank you, guys. I couldn't do it without you. And also, um, just wanted to let you know once again that we are giving away a really cool Union Tube and Transistor C-Verb, which is their first foray into digital effects. It's a, a reverb pedal. At the end of the season... We're going to pick a, a random Patreon subscriber. So if you've already subscribed or do so before the end of Season 6, you'll be enrolled in that giveaway. And thanks to Union Tube and Transistor out of Vancouver for supplying the pedal to give away. All right, let's get down to it. Please enjoy my conversation with Rose Sinclair. So yeah, I've been, uh, I love the, I don't know if you're, if you're considering it an LP or an EP, but Wave is, I guess it's sort of an EP? It's an EP, but it's a, it's just a, it's a little record and um, I've kind of, I've gotten into this thing about, uh, you know, with the COVID and everything, like what to, you know, how to keep, um, how to navigate through and be a musician. And all of a sudden I'm on this thing where I want to do these little small batch records. That's a cool idea. That's the first one. And I have a second one in mind already and uh, that I'm excited about and, 
So I'm just going <laughs> to, I don't know. It's, it's pretty, uh, it's fun to think about. And I'm glad, I'm glad that I can, you know, I feel like I'm coming back alive, you know, after a couple of years, a couple of years just of being like a dial tone. Yeah. And uh, so it's, it's exciting that way. Yeah. So let's, let's talk a bit about that record. And then, you know, I'd love to talk about your history a little bit, um, which is uh, interesting, I find. Um, what the, you know, there's not a lot out there about you, so I'd like to find out. But uh, as far as the Wave EP, or I don't know, let's call it an album. So as far as the Wave yeah. album goes, uh, did you do it in lockdown? Like, were you were you doing it remotely, or did you have the band together in the room with you? Oh no, we we all uh, we all put on our masks and okay, piled into the studio and um, did it. You know, just did it live and all that and uh so where so, were you what which studio were you in uh it's uh chris burns is the uh engineer and he runs this studio um uh ameripolitan studios which is okay. it it was in uh dale watson's backyard actually okay and uh but i mean dale watson has since sold the house that's in front but the studio remains in the back he's uh chris burns made a deal with the new owners and oh cool so he can keep recording there is it right in austin or is it out in the- yeah okay. right in Aust- in north austin yeah uh so it's you know real easy to uh easy for everyone to get to and there's no no stress and uh chris burns is uh fun to work with and very laid back and mm-hmm. so willing to willing to kind of try anything so it's neat because i got that record on apple music i don't have the credits or anything so can you tell me who play like who the band is and whether that's a regular band for you or if these were new people like the sax player and the and the bass player and all that like who who are all those people oh well um the sax player is lion Gralty, and funny enough uh, we used to play together uh 10 or more years ago um we were both living in the Northeast in uh, Western Massachusetts and we were playing like little, basically cocktail steel little, we were into playing uh, old twin guitar tunes, uh, yeah. Western swing twin guitar tunes and playing standards. And he um, would play guitar. He mostly played guitar uh, in that cause we were working out the twin parts yep. and, and uh, it was hard to like up up there, um, you basically had, you know, there was well, like musicians everywhere. There's no money. And, um, <laughs> and, and, and you had to, we had to drive everywhere, you know, uh, that's the beauty of being in Austin. You just have to go across town to play, but there you had to go across the state. And so we I'm, I'm from, there. I'm from Canada originally. So tell me about it. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> okay. You have to drive across the province. And, yeah. yeah. So we had a, a we had a rhythm section in the western part of the state and a rhythm section in the eastern part of the state. Oh wow! And so Lion and I would just, you know, drive. Our, you know, we'd parachute in with our charts and play either east or west with yeah. the different rhythm sections. It just seemed to work out that way. And then he moved to Austin, and then uh, I eventually moved to Austin a couple years after him. Okay. And, and now and so now we play together again. So it's it's kind of cool. He's the guitar player on the on that. Guitar and sax. Okay. Oh, and sax. Oh, wow. Cool. Talented. Yeah, yeah. He's mostly known as a as a horn guy here in uh, Austin, and a a lot of people didn't even realize he played guitar. And I knew him as a guitar player. So, so he 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 likes that he could do both. You know, and uh, it's yeah, he's very talented guy. 
And then uh, the uh, piano player is uh, Dan Walton, who spent uh, seven years playing with uh, Asleep at the Wheel and uh, is a super talented guy, plays, plays in a lot of the swing, swing bands uh, all over the country, actually. And um, he's also a good uh, B3 organ player. That, that's going to be the future project that's, that's in the nice. pipeline. <laughs> and um, Jason Baczynski is on the drums, and he's currently touring with Asleep at the Wheel. And uh, yeah, excellent. He, and uh, seems like a sleep at the wheel just pilfers every good swing player in Texas at some point in their life. Well, they, they <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the uh, bass player is Michael Archer. who's uh-huh. uh, He's from Canada, actually. Oh. Yeah. Uh, originally, he's he moved down here. He's uh, married to I don't mean to be sexist, but he's married to Emily Gimbel, who's a great uh piano player and Western swing royalty here, uh, Johnny Gimbel's granddaughter. Oh, and, cool. Yeah. And she's, she's a fabulous talent. She's a, she was a Texas musician of the year and all kinds of stuff. But anyway, he's, he's a great bass player and a uh, super nice guy. And so, you know, the chemistry was great. And uh, we were just playing, we were just playing uh, every week at this little roadhouse in South Austin called Sam's town point. And just during COVID. And so, you know, we get about five people at the show. I mean, it was, yeah, <laughs> but it yeah. was all outside. We could keep playing outside and we just started working on these tunes. And I think with COVID, uh, so like all bets were off. You just, nobody was touring. And so in, so in that case, it was kind of, you were kind of free to do whatever you wanted to do. And whatever you wanted to work on. And uh, so we were just, of course, I just wanted to work on these uh, big band tunes. And and then I started getting into Bossa Novas. And these guys are so talented. I mean, I could just, whatever I whatever I would work up, they could jump right in. And uh, yeah. they either already knew it or they knew, they knew what to do. So right. it was super fun, super fun. So as far as the tunes go, like, I don't know all the songs on the record, but a bunch, I mean... The ones that I do know are kind of standards, not necessarily steel guitar standards, but like jazz no. standards or whatever. Yeah. Um, what's your process of digging around, finding songs for the for both for the steel, but also for that kind of a ensemble? Well, uh, I actually um, was pretty inspired by. Um, I started going to the steel guitar conventions. You know, what's, um, what's that scene like? I've always wondered. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's a real steel guitar geek out weekend. Yeah. You know, you've got hundreds of steel guitar players in one space. And um, a lot of dudes. A lot of dudes. There's <laughs> a few, what, a handful of women, but yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely dudeville, but it's all, <laughs> it's all uh, good natured. Um, they yeah. accept me. Uh, and uh, it's, it's a very uh, high geek factor. <laughs> And uh, what's cool about that is that um, they have a big house band and man, you hear all kinds of tunes. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, hear, you hear a lot of Western swing and country. And then uh, you hear a lot of jazz, a lot of standards. Yeah. And so I was inspired by listening to those guys play. And the steel guitar conventions are great too, because uh, you get to hang out with all the legends 
and uh, you get to hear them play. You get to hear stories. I love the histories and, um, and just basically hang out. Um, so it's, it's just that it's, it's a treasure, you know, it's, it's, and there's, there's one like up in St. Louis or something. And then are the rest in Austin? Is that gen- or around Texas? Is that generally? Oh, no, uh, well, St. Louis was the big one for years. Uh, yeah. They, they actually, the last one was in, uh, I think 2015 or 2016. And uh, they don't have that anymore. I, I got in, I got to play that one. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah. There was a, somebody canceled and uh, at the last minute, so they invited me to play. So it was a total thrill. Nice. And um, so St. Louis, which is not happening anymore. Dallas is a big show. Right. That's the one I've Every, heard of. Yeah. Yeah. That's in uh, March. So that's coming up uh, next month. And uh, that's a really big show. And then uh, Phoenix was oh. another big show. And Phoenix was interesting because you got all the California, the L.A., uh, you know, Southern California guys coming in for that and you know a lot of the uh different styles uh, different styles different tunes all the studio musicians and uh so yeah it was a different flavor it was was super fun bobby black would always be there which is that's very motivating to go (laughs) yeah yeah five to phoenix to go see bobby (laughs) black that's that motivates me and then uh there's there's a super jam in nashville in september usually and uh Branson uh, oh, yeah. in July. Uh, there's one in uh, uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in June. There's a there's a Denver Steel show that's in June. There's one in Southern Illinois. Uh, oh, there's tons. They're they're sprinkled around. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. Around. There's one in Georgia, and there's one in uh, there's actually one in Rhode Island. And there's a big one in uh, Norwalk, Connecticut, in November. So they're they're kind of all over the place. And uh, yeah, it's kind of a different universe. So I guess a lot of people don't know about it and, until you start getting into steel guitar. <laughs> well, I'm a, I, I play steel as well, but I, I've never really oh. sort of taken the plunge into that world of like the conventions and stuff. I oh, always, come on. I feel, okay. <laughs> it's, it's fun. You, you'll totally feel at home. You'll really? Feel, yeah. Okay. So just getting back to that record for a second, um, can you tell me a bit about how... Um, Oh yeah. How you get how you get your sound on that record. It's really clean, but it's got some cool kind of like punchiness to it that sounds like probably an old tube amp or something. I don't really you know, it's hard to tell a little bit, but can you tell me a bit about your actual guitar tone these days and on that record? Actually, let me finish finish my thought. I I got I got sidetracked, but um I was really inspired by when I got to Austin, I went to I used to go hear Burt Rivera play at this little restaurant, this little barbecue place. And Bert Rivera used to play for Hank Thompson. When I got here 10 years ago, he was playing, he had a little combo and he had put out a little combo jazz record of standards and that kind of thing. And so I used to go hear him play at the restaurant and he played a lot of these tunes. And okay. that's where I got like Canadian Sunset and, uh, you know, some other stuff that he it was a big inspiration for me. I, I mean, I, I said, that's what I want to do. I want a little combo. I want yeah. a little jazz combo and, you know, led by the steel guitar. And of course he's playing pedals, like 99% of the people out there playing pedals, but you know, you can still grab this stuff. So anyway, Oh yeah. My tone is, um, I play, uh, just, I play, uh, double eight Fender string master 
I, I don't use any volume pedal or anything like that. I just do it. I have, I have some knobs, you know, a volume and tone knob, but I also, it's just in the hands and I run it through, um, a PV Nashville 112. Okay. Just a regular amp, but it's got a, um, a Telonics Neodymium speaker. Okay. In it, and those which, are sort of, uh, those are sort of tuned for a steel guitar, right? I think this one is, uh, the Telonics folks, um, who are great. Dave Beatty is, is wonderful. He's got this wonderful company out in, uh, Arizona and they, they actually gave me this speaker. I mean, they installed it and everything at, at one of the Arizona steel guitar conventions. Oh, cool. And he said, he said it was a special speaker. He said it's, it was kind of broken in, you know, it's, it, he said it, it has, I, I guess, you know, well, it makes sense that the, uh, you know, the vibration and the air and everything would, would, uh, uh, season a speaker in a way. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and also a speaker for steel has to be able to handle the range of the steel, which is a lot more than a regular guitar is. So it's, it's, it's not unusual that you would have to have a specialized speaker. Well, the thing that's great about this speaker is, is uh, uh, like it took all the, the woof out of the mid-range and clear, just cleared it up. And uh, I just think it has a beautiful tone and uh, like a little shout out to Telonix. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've got a bit of reverb on there, I guess. There's no delays or anything. You're just playing straight no, into no, the amp. Just, just from the, straight from the amp. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just, yeah. Pretty bare bones. Uh, cool. So when you were tracking that record, did you like? Was most of it tracked live as far as the band goes? Yeah. 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 And then with your like, did you go back and and work on your parts or anything, or was it all pretty much just live performance straight up? Uh, I w- I went back and uh, fixed a couple little you know, bloopers, that were but, uh, yeah, <laughs> but uh, otherwise it was live. Yeah. And, uh, uh, Oh, Lion Gralty, the sax player, uh, he came back and just played a bunch of sax over the top, you know, but, uh, other than that, um, it was live. Cool. So what's your, what's your process for like doing your arrangements as far as the steel goes? Like, so, so you've got a double eight, so you're using C6 and do you use E11 as like the standard kind of double eight or what's your tuning situation? I'm using a A6. Okay. And E13. And the A6, I mean, the A6, I, I started, uh, I know mostly, most of the world uses the C6. Yeah. Uh, I use the A6 because I I was listening to Noel Boggs play on uh, Bob Wills records and uh, Herb Remington play on Bob Wills records and they used they were playing an A6. I didn't know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said, okay, that sounds good to me. So what is A6 from from low to high? It's uh, F sharp, A, C sharp, E, F sharp, A, okay. C sharp, E. So it's tuned kind of higher than a C6 tuning. It's actually lower. Oh, it's lower. Okay. So you've got a low F sharp, like, like a yeah. big fat. Yeah. I like, that and, and that's, okay. that's kind of what I'm going for is like a more of a low, warm yep. tone, low and uh, more jazzy kind of tone. Uh, do you, do you lean on one of those necks more than the other? Or are you pretty much, yeah. which the one? A6, the A6 is my safety neck. I mean, that's where okay. I play all my melodies and stuff like that. And then the, um, 
The E13 is more of a strum uh, for, for doing um, like boo kind of chords yeah. and, uh, you know, bar slams or, or just, or doing sort of a chordal solo. You know, I'm not, I'm not very good at soloing on the E13. That's a, that's a tough neck. I mean, there's. The A6 there's is a, your comfort zone for sure. Yeah, that's my comfort and then, and then like pickups and all that, that, is that all stock with the, with the guitar? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so that's that's just straight up tone. That's awesome. Do you use finger picks or are you using bare fingers? Oh, I'm using picks. Okay. I've got a, a thumb pick and two fingers. Two fingers, yeah. Yeah, I know some people use three three finger picks, and uh, I tried that. Uh, Maurice Anderson, who I studied with for a while, he he said just put the pick on there and just wear it, and after a while you'll start using it. Yeah, and I tried, but <laughs> it, it it just kept getting in the way, and I couldn't get I couldn't uh, quite adapt. You know, I couldn't get to using it. But th- there's always time. I could, you know, I might be able to. I, I do love the bit more complex chords, but you know, with a bass player, you know, you can actually get a pretty good spread of a chord. Yeah, you know, working with other people. So yeah, totally. Can you just talk a little bit about the history of steel guitar as far as it relates to Austin? Like, there's just such a rich history there, and there's a lot of players that are totally under the radar for a lot of people that just, you know, don't know some of these guys. And I know that you had a chance to study with some of these, uh, you know, like players from a whole different generation that were really influential. Can you maybe talk a little bit about who those people were and what your experiences were actually meeting some of those older generation folks? Yeah. Well, um, I mean, that's, uh, that's a big reason why I moved to Texas was to seek out, uh, the guys that were basically invented the style of playing Western swing. I mean, they, uh, one of the first guys I looked up was actually in Louisiana, Pee Wee Whitewing, who played for Hank Thompson. Um, and back when he, he had, he was running a band and he had two steel players. Pee Wee was one of them and they played big band charts and the steels were playing uh, twin steel kind of horn parts and uh, really cool stuff. And um, like he was still doing that band when you when you oh, met no, him. No, 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 that band. Oh, that was, was back in the day. Back in the day, and okay. uh, well, what's neat about uh, meeting the older players is that they all they all were playing straight steel, which is you know without pedals. And then uh, in the fifties, they all went to pedals because that's what was happening. And then, uh, but they all, you know, a lot of them had moved back to straight steel again. Um, but for me as a non-pedal player, it's really interesting to watch them play because, because they come from straight steel. So they've got certain techniques that it, it, somebody who, who just plays pedal steel might not have that approach. You know, they've, they've got straight steel approaches that I can grok, you know, <laughs> and... Uh, Would that be stuff like slants and things that you wouldn't really do as much on a pedal that you do more on a... On a yeah, yeah, steel? Well, a lot yeah. of slants and grips and uh, uh-huh. and uh, different effects or whatever, you know, yeah. but um, like Pee- Peewee Whitewing... That's the he greatest. Had, that's well, the greatest steel player name of all time. Actually. Oh yeah. Well, he's Native American. He grew up in uh, Eastern Oklahoma, and uh, like I love hearing the stories. Well, he uh, he left Oklahoma with his family. He was six years old during the Dust Bowl. 
Oh, man. I know. So you get to hear, I mean, it was fascinating just to- So, uh, so what was his history? He went from Oklahoma to like California or something? Yes, he went to Southern California. He said his family- I uh, went to Southern California to be prune pickers is what yeah. he said, prune pickers. And uh, he ended up uh, meeting Bobby Black, Bobby and Larry Black, Black Brothers. Um, they were teenagers, 12, 13 years old, and play- they were started playing in the clubs. Mm, wow. And Bobby and Pee Wee were playing straight steels. And Larry Black was a great standard guitar player. And yeah. And they uh, came up with these incredible um, trio, duo and trio parts, you know, twin and trio parts in these tunes playing Western swing. And did they make records as that trio? Uh, well, they they made records, well, not records, but there's uh, there is recordings of them live on the radio later on uh, called the West Coast All Stars. Okay. And it was it they used to play dances at the different ballrooms and Bobby Black's father recorded it live off the radio. And I happened to have one of them. <laughs> I have it. Yeah. It's just like five or six tunes, but to me, it's like, it's a complete, it's like a treasure. You know, I just, I love listening to it. And they do, they do a lot of the songs that I like to do like September in the rain. And, okay, you know, cool. Just really, really great stuff. So where did you meet him? Like, did you have to sort of hunt him down or was he just playing somewhere or what was the deal? I know uh, some friends of mine in Louisiana introduced, introduced me to him. We had a little gathering and uh, so we sat around and kind of jam, we had a little jam session. He was still actively playing or was he kind of retired? No, he was playing uh, once in a while and making like little uh, jazz records, little recordings with, he had some, uh, some guys that he played with and, and then he would do a yearly uh, show at the Rice Theater in Crowley, Louisiana. Okay. And uh, it was, um, and he'd have a lot of guest singers and stuff like that. And yeah, so he was still active. I mean, he was in, I think in his eighties at that point, but still wow. picking. Yeah. It's picking great. So did you, did you actually take any lessons from him or was it more of just kind of a hang? Well, with him, it was more of a hang and, uh, he would, he would, uh, uh, I went to his workplace and he had a 12 string lap steel that he'd put out on his desk and he would just start playing. Like he wasn't into giving lessons, but he would start playing some stuff. Yeah. And he was playing these amazing chords, um, you know, all these major, major nines and sevens and stuff like that. And, you know, I just hadn't, just to see someone do that on this slab of wood with 12 strings, <laughs> it was astounding to me and it was so beautiful and uh after that one uh that one particular time i was driving back on i-10 to lafayette to where i was staying and i I just had to pull i pulled off the highway and cried for about 10 minutes (laughs) (laughs) i I mean i was so i it it kind of just even thinking about it now just um it was just, it just was such amazing, beautiful music. And, uh, it just, it just tore me right open, you know? So I, I, that's what I wanted to do. Right. (laughs) And so, you know, after, so in Texas, I was, uh, studying with, uh, Maurice Anderson up in Dallas and I'd, I'd come down like once a year, once or twice a year. And, um, 
stay at his house. His wife, Teresa Anderson, is a great singer. And, and uh, so they would kind of host me and I would take lessons with Maurice. Um, you know, like I'd show up uh, a few days before the Dallas show for the Dallas Steel Convention or before the, the we- big Western Swing Festival in Wichita Falls. I'd just go to have lessons with Maurice for a couple of days. And uh, they, they'd put me up in a little room. I'd sleep upstairs in a little room. And cool. uh, we would have lessons like nine to five with a lunch Whoa. break. One, one-on-one. Yeah. And, uh, and he, he, he'd go as fast or as slow as, as I wanted to go. And, he, and it was just great. I mean, all, all kinds of theory. And uh, we would just look down all these different trails. And then, uh, and then we'd have a little bit of supper. Then I'd go up to my room and um, I was recording everything, of course. And I'd dump it on my laptop and then I'd try to label everything. You know, right. like, what the heck was that? You know, I'd just give it, give it different, different names so I could look it up later. And uh, yeah, it was, it was amazing. It was like going to college and, you know, steel guitar college. And uh, Reese was a, he was a great teacher. What was, what was his history? Where, like, who, who had oh, he, he played play, with? He, he played for Bob Wills. Uh, okay. He was uh, later on. He and um, uh, Gene Crownwell were. They played uh, double steals. Yeah, with Bob Wills and there's a great Amazing. cut. Yeah, there's a great cut on uh, YouTube. There's a clip of the the Big D Jamboree, which is a Dallas uh, TV show back then, when, where uh, they're playing. And uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. It's pretty cool. He said. Uh, uh, when they, he was going to get on the bus the first time with Bob Wills and Bob said, well, all my guys play Fenders, you know, Fender was sort of sponsoring the band. And, and he said, yeah, but um, you know, I need 10 strings to do what I do. And, and uh, so Bob got on the phone and they, I guess Mr. Fender built him a, a 10 string guitar. And he, so he got that made for Maurice. Pretty Thanks cool. Leo. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah. yeah um, cool. So was he an A6 guy as well? Is that sort of why you leaned into those tunings as like, were your teachers? Well, he, no, he, he played more of a, like an extended C6 tuning. Okay. So and he was a 10, was, a 10 string single neck guy. That was his deal. Uh, I think he had, I think he had two necks. I think he had two necks going on with Bob. Yeah. I can't, I can't exactly remember, but he can, uh, he, um, he since that he had a steel guitar company called MSA that built steels. Oh, I had an MSA. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So he ha- he was building a uh, single neck. They could be ten or twelve. You know, you could add strings the way yeah. they were doing. It was sort of modular the way they they made it. I mean, they, it had a. Oh man, I can't. <laughs> anyway, you could have ten or twelve strings. On right. It. Right. When I did lessons with him i would use a i would use it i had one neck i had a a big triple neck eight eight ten so i oh. would use my 10 string neck and tune it to c you know a c6 tuning extended c6 tuning like he okay. had to yep. take lessons with him and then can you just shift what you know on a c6 tuning down into the a6 tuning does it work yeah. that way or is it it, it is okay so yeah. it's the same thing just shift it down a minor third yeah actually i'd, I'd have to move I'd have to move up the neck. I know it doesn't make sense, but yeah, I'd have to move no, up I'd, three, gotcha. three frets up or yeah. something. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. And was Herb Steiner another guy that you took yeah, lessons Herb, from? Herb Steiner and Denny Mathis. They're both uh, Texas Steel Guitar Hall of Famers. I, 
yeah. I took lessons with Herb and uh, he what was he? Me. What was his deal? What was he like? Well, he's he's a funny guy. He's uh, we're st- we're great friends. Uh, he's uh, he played with um, Michael Martin Murphy, and he started playing with Linda Ronstadt like way back when he was learning the steel, and yeah. uh, and then he played with Alvin Crow. He played with Johnny Bush for fourteen years, and so he and he really liked the swing tunes too. He liked the standards. Yeah. So I learned a bunch of a bunch of his his tunes and. Um, you know, he also he also kind of introduced me around to the Western Swing Society in Austin and, uh, you know, turned me on to like, oh, you know, who to go listen to. And, yeah, uh, you know, who's playing where and all that. So that that was that was super fun. And uh, it's great to have a mentor like that. I'm very lucky. And no doubt. And uh, and then Denny Mathis, another steel, Texas steel guitar Hall of Famer, he he lives in San Antonio. So I used to go down there. It was a couple hour drive, hour yeah. and a half. And uh, he had been teaching for 40 or 50 years in the same little mom and pop uh, music store called the yeah. Delview Music School in this little shopping center in San Antonio. And, um, you know, I, I would just, you know, I'd call down there and say, Hey Gail, this is Rose up in Austin. And she'd say, yes, how's it going? And, and then I'd say, does Denny have any time? And he said, well, he's got like an hour and a half. Like usually he, it was, it was, it was $15 for half an hour, you know? So I, I would just book whatever he had, you know, cost I'd, more in gas to get I there. Know, I know. So I'd usually go down for an hour and a half, you know, I, I, find whatever block of time he had. And then we would just, we would just uh, start working on swing tune. We would just, he would just play some lick and I'd say, wow, that's cool. And, and then, uh, so we'd start there and then just go down some trail. And it was, it was really, uh, it's not like a formal lesson, but you know, he might have some tune in mind that he'd show me and then we'd take it from there. It was really, really fun. I, I love his playing so much. So. Man, it's it's so such a great resource to have. Like the the Texas thing in particular, just having all these old timers around that are still playing and teaching and stuff. And I mean, oh I mean, yeah, that's... well the the thing in in Texas, there's hundreds of dance halls, and uh, there was no revival. I mean, nothing ever stopped. People, right. it, it's it's part of the uh, culture here. The dance, you know, uh, two stepping and Western swing dancing and you know, the dance halls and the barbecue and all that. It's just, uh, it's just part of the culture here. And that's, that's what's so cool about it. It's just, uh, all these bands have been playing for decades and they just, you know, just kept going. They just kept going. Texas is like that. It's sort of its own world of like, there's a lot of songwriters and stuff too, that just like never leave Texas because there's so many gigs and there's, they don't have to. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's its own world. This show is brought to you by the good folks at Isotope, who make incredible plug-in software for any music or dialogue recording situation. 
Among other things, they make a very unique suite of software called RX, which you can use to surgically repair almost any kind of issue in a recording. Whether it's removing electrical hum, unwanted noise, vocal plosives, or almost anything you can throw at it. I use Isotope RX on every mix in one way or another, and I love that I can get in there on guitar tracks that I'm doing and running through my crazy old tube amps and get rid of the hum and noise without affecting the actual tone of the guitar. You can buy their plugins outright or get a subscription to keep up to date on all their latest versions. Right now, they're offering listeners a 10% discount on any of their plugins when you use the code SOULPOD10 at checkout. So head on over to isotope.com slash soulpod, and you'll see the links right there to get the discount or an extended 30-day trial of their subscription service of Music Production Suite Pro. We're also brought to you this season by Black Mountain Picks. These are unique spring-loaded thumb picks that are super comfortable and adaptable. I've been using them for a couple years now, and I absolutely love them. They come in medium gauge, heavy gauge, jazz-tipped, left-handed, and with regular or extra-tight spring tension. Check them out at blackmountainpicks.com. Thanks to our other sponsor, Union Tube and Transistor. They're known for guitar effects pedals with a focus on quality and simplicity. They build durable, repairable products that sound amazing, both on stage and in the studio. I use their Sonebender Fuzz pedal, the Moore pedal, and the Swindle Overdrive pedal all the time in sessions and live on stage. You can find them at uniontone.com. And thanks to Spectra 1964. For over 50 years, Spectra 1964 has established a reputation of creating some of the most innovative recording equipment on the market today. From the legendary V610, C610, and 611 complimenter units to the new 500 series lunchbox mic pre's and EQs, Spectra 1964 continues the legacy of providing incredible recording products for the home or professional studio. Check them out at spectra1964.com. And finally, the Hen House Hang. It's a four-day immersive recording experience right here with me at the Hen House Studio in East Nashville on September 19 to 22, 2022. Join us for a musical learning experience like no other. We'll put you up in a groovy hotel, feed you some glorious food, show you the ropes of recording roots and Americana music by bringing you in on a real session with real musicians working on real songs from the ground up. You can get all the info on that at stevedawson.ca. Just follow the links on the front page to the Hen House Hang. All right, then, let's get back to the show. So what was your path to Texas? So you're from Massachusetts. How, like, when did you take the plunge? And also, like, his, like musically, I, I read that you played other instruments, like you played upright bass and guitar and stuff. So how did you land on the non-pedal steel? And how did you make the plunge to, to well, Austin? Well, uh- Originally, I mean, I grew up in Michigan and then I ended up, I lived in uh, nine or 10 other states, you know, east and west. And, and then uh, uh, before I finally came to Texas, but um, uh, I started, you know, as a child, <laughs> uh, I started taking piano lessons when I was four years old and then uh, just played at the other, you know, like folk guitar and then clarinet and the school band and you know just kind of went from there and then I played clarinet too a oh. lot of it's amazing how many guitarists and steel guitarists play clarinet in doing oh, these really? interviews that's like a thing yeah like bill frizzell played clarinet um really yeah it's funny oh interesting yeah wow yeah you know usually there's a connection between bluegrass banjo or banjo players and steel that's right. a big that's, because of the right hand yeah yeah but anyway uh so i did get into uh 
you know, I started playing like app twenties and thirties, uh, Appalachian string band music. I got into playing claw hammer banjo and fiddle. And how'd you get into that? Did you have friends that were into it or what was the, like, what was uh, the path I, to finding that music? Oh, well, when I was in, uh, I was in college in Ann Arbor, Michigan and, uh, and there were banjo players like down the hall. And so oh. I, I just started, uh, uh, and I was working at a bar and there was uh, a bluegrass band playing. And I, so I, you know, I just got interested in the music and, and then I got very obsessed by it. And um, just, so all I did for, you know, was I really got into banjo and fiddle and started making, you know, going to the big fiddle conventions down in Galax, Virginia and Mount Airy, North Carolina. And uh, those were like yearly uh, pilgrimages and, uh, and those are out. those are more about like old time string band r- rather than bluegrass, right? Or is it oh, just both. as much bluegrass? Oh, both yeah, stuff. they're both. Okay. It's pretty much half and half. And but you know, there it was just great to go and hang out and listen to the old the older players. And uh, you know, I mean, those were the the records I was learning from. I'd go down there and then hang out, and a, a lot of it's just seeking the source and yeah, and uh, try to find the older players. I think it's super important to me anyway to lots of people yeah the fiddle tune tradition coming from that area in particular is really interesting it's oh yeah and so regional too like canada parts of canada have their own fiddle repertoire western canada does eastern canada does central canada and then all through the appalachian region and like every little area seems to have their own set of tunes yeah exactly exactly and the same the texas has its own fiddle tradition too right yeah so you know from so I did that for a long time and played in uh, bands, uh, did the folk festival circuit. And um, we had an all, all women band called the, the Heartbeats. And uh, we played, you know, Merle Fest and Telluride and all that, you know, all the big festivals and Canadian festivals, Vancouver. And oh, you did. that's and where I'm, Winnipeg. that's where I'm from is Vancouver. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Great, yeah. great festival. Yeah. And, uh, and we did some European tours as well. And, who was in that band with you? Oh, uh, Tara Nevins uh, was a fiddler. She's she plays in a, a band called Don of the Buffalo. Now it's a kind oh, of yeah. very popular. I know that band. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Beverly Smith was the guitar player, and she she does her own. Uh, she's still playing. Everybody's still playing. And June Jucker is the bass player, and. So what were you playing in that band? Banjo? Banjo and button accordion. Button accordion? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. So did you, did you, just pick, you pick that up along the way too? Well, uh, we spent a lot of time in Louisiana. I really love the Cajun music too. So uh, playing a lot of Cajun music and also playing the Zydeco music. And so I was in, yeah, so I was playing old time music and Cajun music and Zydeco music. And I was in bands and I was playing upright bass in a country band, like old classic country. But you were still living in Massachusetts at this point? Yeah, or? Yeah, I was, yeah, I was in Massachusetts at that point. And, uh, the and, hotbed uh, of Zydeco music, Massachusetts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, actually, there's a big festival there in Rhode Island, believe it or not, that's been going for 30 years that oh, wow. all the uh, Louisiana bands come up and play there and so they've okay. they've developed a community up there and a circuit for those bands to play so it's yeah. kind of interesting that's a whole nother story but uh it was started by this poet who loved uh louisiana food and music and he just started this festival up in rhode island and the button accordion is really intense like that's a that's a really 
hard instrument to wrap your head around. I've I've tried it a little bit, and it, you know you can't really relate to it in the same way that an accordion kind of makes sense if you've no, played it's some not, piano. It's not really, it's not linear right. uh, like a piano accordion. So it's a different note in and out. It's diatonic, and uh, and it's very rhythmic. That's what I love about yeah. it. And same with uh, like playing the banjo uh, with very percussive and rhythmic. And so actually it was in Louisiana where I was, where I first heard the, where I first really uh, heard the steel guitar that kind of blew me away. I was at a Cajun dance hall in, um, it's called La Poussière in Brobridge. And uh, this band, uh, Walter Mouton and the Scott Playboys was playing. And this guy on steel, Randall Foreman, I'll never forget it. And he was, he played this uh, great rhythmic backup style and um, to Cajun music. And that's what turned me on to the steel guitar because I, okay. I was all into rhythm and melody, you know, and rhythmic kind of stuff, all the instruments I've been playing. Yep. And when I heard the steel guitar, I'd never heard the steel guitar played like that. And uh, so, so that, caught my attention and uh and and he was playing lap or pedal he he was playing he only used the pedal once in a while he was playing a pedal steel but yeah he really just used one pedal uh just to go basically from the one to the four chord i think okay yeah um, but um that was super cool and then uh so at that point had you ever played steel or this was that was okay no so uh so a few years after that i ended up Getting uh, well, I started listening to. Uh, uh, it's almost like it, my musical thing was chronological. Like I went from the twenties <laughs> and thirties, like old string band music, and then yeah. got into the Cajun and you know the Zydeco stuff, which that's actually more modern. But then I started listening to Hank Williams and Webb Pierce, uh, like forties and fifties country, and um, really like the steel guitar on that and. And then I started listening to Bob Wills and Western Swing, and then it was all over. I just right, you know, that's a that's and, a deep well of 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 steel guitar right there. Yeah, and and so I I got a steel guitar. This is like back in two thousand. I finally I, I messed around with some pedal steels. Yeah. Then I learned about the non-pedal steel, and I, I thought, yeah, that's it. And then I heard that that's what that's what they were playing with Bob Wills. They were playing non-pedal steel. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. 
and they were doing all this amazing things on it. So yeah. What do you need uh, those stupid pedals for anyway? <laughs> well, plus, plus the old bands, I mean, the steel player stood up and played and that's a whole, that transmits a whole nother level of energy. Yeah. You know, with the music. And, uh, so what was the first steel you got? Uh, the first instrument I got was, a well, not the ones I was, not the, the first straight steel I got was a carbon. It's a double eight, uh, double neck, eight string carbon. And, um, so I played on that for years and then I, um, is that like carbon, like the, the amp company that made yeah. like, okay. They made double neck steels. They used to yeah, way, way back then. Yeah. They did okay. for a while. And, uh, so I got a hold of one of those and, um, and then, uh, later on, I, I met someone who had, he was selling his, uh, Fender Stringmaster two finger. Uh, so I got a, a single neck. And then he had a double neck. So I, I got, I eventually bought the double neck too. And the yeah. double neck became, that's what I play now. Right. So that became that same one. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. 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 Uh, so that's like a, like an early fifties probably or mid fifties or something. 61. 61. 61. Cool. And so when you first got it, were you learning strictly by ear or did you take some lessons right away or what, how did you figure out uh, the well, basics? The guy who, uh, Kevin Mall, who used to play with Robin and Linda Williams, he's a yeah. steel player in the Northeast, and he he sold me the carbon and he showed me how to tune it. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty it, pretty much it. So that yeah, was your li- I, that, that's a that's a big lesson. From, I was learning by ear from the records, and I just started learning from the Hank Williams records and Webb Pierce, and and then I started just trying to learn. Uh, I was listening to Noel Boggs play on uh, the Bob Wills Western Swing Records. And so I was trying to learn his chords and find those. And yeah, so it kind of, it was quite a journey because there was nobody around that even knew uh, what a steel guitar was. I, at one point I, I drove two and a half hours to Boston to play with this guy, Frankie Blandino. And um, he actually played straight steel. He's a great player. Yeah. And we sat in his kitchen all afternoon and just, you know, joked, made jokes and just played steel guitar. And uh, it was really cool. And uh, but it was, was kind of hard. You know, I felt like I was sort of in a desert uh, there. And I mean, we I, I was playing with this little band. We, we, we had this little band called Girl Howdy and we were playing early country stuff. We had uh-huh. piano, uh, Paula Bradley on piano, Betsy Don Williams on guitar and I was playing steel and we had these guys playing a uh, bass and drums and we'd set up for a show and the sound guy would say, uh, okay, let's check, the, let's check the dulcimer. <laughs> <laughs> I get that all the time too. I play Weisenborn quite a bit. And Oh God. And I, I, get, I just thought I got to get out of here, you know, <laughs> like this is, yeah. this is not, this is not cool. And, uh, and so, uh, and we were, we were finding really great, we were digging for gold, you know, yeah. all through the old tunes and uh, uh, obscure stuff and finding really, really great tunes that nobody's heard, you know, of course, never played on the radio. Uh, but still, it was like missionary work, uh, trying to teach people, you know, people didn't know what we were doing or what we were playing or what do you call that? And so anyway, so now it's like... So about 10 years after I started playing, then I finally moved to Texas. And 
So what, so what was that like, like taking the plunge to Austin? That's a big deal. You know, like I, I moved to Nashville from Canada, so I can kind of relate in that way. Did you find it welcoming and, you know, kind of a great scene to be involved in? Or was it tough to break into the world there? Or how did you find it? Oh, it's kind of a little of both. I mean, it, yeah. it, it was uh, the first day I, that I came down, I, I just spent I just spent the weekend at Maurice Sanderson's with taking steel lessons, right, up in Dallas. And then I, uh, somehow the timing was perfect. I, I drove, I left there on Sunday morning and I got to Austin at two o'clock. I went straight to the 290 West Bar and Grill yeah, uh, because they were supposed to, the Austin Steel Guitar Co-op was supposed to have their monthly meeting right at two <laughs> o'clock. And that's when, right when I arrived in Austin. So I went straight there. Mecca. And I walked walked into the the bar, and I said, "I said I'm here for the steel guitars," and and uh, they said, "Oh, they canceled the meeting today. They canceled." And I went, they couldn't find a drummer, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> and then uh, the bartender goes, uh, "Well, uh, do you play steel?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm a steel player." And then he he goes. Uh, Herb, come over here and talk to this girl. She's a steel player. And Herb Steiner was at the bar. Oh my God. Hanging out. Yeah. And so, so that's how I met Herb Steiner. And we just, you know, and he was a steel player and he, he immediately uh, just took me under his wing as a student and, uh, and said, okay, you got, you need to go hear Bert Rivera at arts rib house and you need to go hear this guy and you need to go hear this band. And, you know, he just sent, kind of set up a little schedule for me. And, um, that was, that was my first few minutes in Austin. So I thought, wow, you know, this you is made the right call. Yeah. yeah this, this is, this is the place for me. And then no dulcimers in that town <laughs> and everybody, you know, all the old country tunes that we had been working on, you know, in my, my other band, Everybody knew, everyone knew all the standards. material. Right. Yeah. Standards in Austin it was all standards. Yeah. It was, there was no mystery or, uh, you know, it wasn't uh, quaint or anything. It was very current and everybody played it and it was part yeah. of the song bag. And yeah, yeah I felt uh, kind of normal. At, <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a new feeling. Yeah. And I also had a, a place to stay. I had uh, Tom Pittman was a, he was a steel player and a banjo player with uh, the Austin lounge lizards. And I had met him at festivals in the past. And he said, if you ever come to Austin, you can be our house guest. So I went awesome. and stayed with uh, Tom and Elizabeth Pittman. I rented a little room and um, I stayed in that house for four years. I was, I rented amazing. a little room there. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. And all I did was pra- I practice all day. And then I'd go out to the clubs at night and go listen to people at night. And, uh, it was just, there's your, there's your college right there. Yeah. Yeah. It was really Amazing. great. So what year was that when you moved to Austin? Uh, 20, well, 20, end of 2011. So, okay. and then officially, uh, I was there for about a month and a half and then I went back and put my stuff in storage and moved down. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, uh, and so after about, after, uh, beating around the clubs for about three years, you know, I, I actually got a call from Wayne Hancock. Yeah. So how, so you played with Wayne for a while. Like what was the deal there? Did he, had he seen you play somewhere or? Well, uh, no, I mean, I had been playing, I'd been playing and I, I made a little record about a year after I got, I was in Austin. I made, I, 
I needed sort of a business card and I need to, I want, I wanted to play these standards as well as Western swing. And um, so I made a little record that I would just hand out as a kind of a business card. So people, could, yep. so I could explain myself cause I wasn't really playing straight up country and right. Uh, you know, it's just hard to talk about it. So yeah, just there listen. you go. There's a, yeah. yeah. And Great so idea. I did that. And everyone uh, had a CD player back then too. Yeah. And I uh, <laughs> yeah. also got it out to the radio, you know, the, there's Western swing DJs and stuff like that. And yep. got nominated for like a little cool. Thing. And yeah, yeah. So I got, uh, got some notice and I had met Wayne. I actually, um, back when I was in the Northeast, he played in, Maine, I drove like three or four hours to go or five hours to go see him in Maine. I brought my, of course, I brought my steel and everything. So he, he invited me to sit in uh, at the last set. So that, that's how I got to meet Wayne the first time. And nice. uh, yeah, it was Did, really, so he, he didn't have a steel player. Not at that point. No. Okay. So he'd been traveling for, he, he got, he'd gone for a few years without a steel player. Yeah. And, uh, cause he, he'd been, like he'd been making records with Lloyd Maines, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. That so Lloyd didn't tour with him. He just produced his oh, records. Oh no, he just produced the records and no, okay. he always had great steel players though. He had Eddie Rivers mm-hmm. and uh, who then later played with Sleep at the Wheel for a long time. And then yeah. um, uh, Jeremy Wakefield, great player out of, uh, on the West coast. And, uh, and so when I heard Wayne's records, I was like, Oh my God, this is great. Cause it was kind of, he played some, he did some standards. He loved big band music and he, and he loved hillbilly swing music and, uh, you know, hillbilly boogie stuff. And it was yeah. kind of the perfect right up, combination. Right up your alley. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, you know, I had a sort of a secret goal, like, oh, maybe I can play with Wayne and go down to Texas. And um, is he based in Austin or was he then? Uh, he used to be based in Austin and now he's uh, north of Dallas. He's in okay. uh, Denton. Okay. Yeah. And, um, so he just calls you out of the blue. He'd heard that yeah, you moved well, to Austin I mean, he, or whatever. I'd been, I'd been in Austin for about three years and, yeah. and, uh, you know, I had that little record out and everything. And, and so his bass player, Huck Johnson at the time, who now plays with Dale Watson, um, yeah. Huck said, well, uh, there's this girl who plays steel and, uh, she's got a record out and everything. And so he, you know, he, I mean, we had met before, so. Um, Did he put two and two together that you were the person that sat in with him up in? I, I, I guess he must have, but anyway, he, okay. he did call me. And uh, so it was thrilling. I was like, oh my God, you know, I got the call. And uh, so he said he wanted me to try, you know, let's do a little audition. There's this gig at this racetrack in uh, <laughs> Austin. Yeah. And um, so I said, yeah, okay, I'll be there. And it was a weird setup. There was, there was several bands. They had a stage and there's this tiny trailer and everyone stuffed in it. It was told it was raining. Yeah. And uh, so everyone was huddled in the trailer <laughs> and, you know, and I thought, Oh God, this is my big chance. And I'm going to, you know, totally blow it. If I don't, I need to make sure Wayne hears me play. And yeah. I, the day before I bought this little, uh, honey tone amp, uh, you know, it's like a battery. Oh, the little, the little tykes. Yeah. I know those. Yeah. Things. Yeah. They're plastic yeah. and they, super distorted. They kind of, and... Yeah. They sound not so great. So anyway, but I brought it just 
I don't know why, but I, I, I brought it. And so, uh, you know, we're sitting around this trailer and other bands and stuff. So I decided, well, I, I have to seize this moment, you know, cause it looks like we're going to be rained out. We're not gonna be able to play. So I went off in the corner. I said, Oh, I'm just going to warm up. And I, wa- I went off in the corner. I set up my steel and, and I just started playing and the bass player came over and started jamming. And then Wayne strolled over and was listening and started playing some guitar. And so I got, had to make sure that he heard that I could play and it's an audition. Yeah. Because it looked, it turned out we were rained out and we weren't going to get on the stage. So uh, yeah. I just made it happen in the trailer, in you know, one like little corner of the trailer. Very resourceful of you. Well, I mean, it's kind of like you have to, seize the moment yeah and, uh, so then he he said well well how about you want to come up to tulsa you want to play in tulsa next weekend and i said yeah yes yes Hot i bang. do yeah. so uh we ended up i met them met them in uh tulsa and from there we played tulsa and someplace up in kansas and uh actually the first gig in tulsa we were just warming up and uh i ripped into some like it was actually an Eddie Rivers solo. Thank you, Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I ripped it to this Eddie Rivers solo. And Wayne looked at me and he looked at the bass player and he goes, you got the gig. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Good and call. I was like, yes. <laughs> so it was, it was super fun. It was super so fun. what was that? What was the gig like? Like, was he a road dog at that point? Were you out all the time? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we play, uh, we play, uh, we'd go out for like three or four weeks and then we'd be home for three or four weeks. And then we'd go out for another three or four weeks. That kind of Okay. Thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was, it's really fun. It was like, I wanted, I, that was one of my, it was a dream gig for me, you know? Was that basically your first like touring steel gig since you'd started playing? Uh, or? Touring steel. Yeah. 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 Otherwise I was just in a regional, you know, just regional band, but I, I always wanted to get on, you know, being a road band. And so that was super fun. And was that a good learning experience as far as like getting your chops together to play in that oh. scenario? Oh yeah. 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 Cause you played every night and uh, yep. you were, and those playing with those guys, it was very uh, encouraging and always saying, yeah, turn up and yeah, just go. Oh, for yeah. it. So, so the attitude was like, yeah, you just go for it. And if you don't, quite hit it or whatever there's always the tomorrow you know the next right. night you can try it again and so you can really you can really develop a lot of skills that way and you can and, he, kind of and he was encouraging that way oh yeah he was he was great he was yeah really great uh band leader and real like uh you know he's an ex-marine so you know he was uh we were, we were all we worked together it was it was a pretty disciplined team and we all had our had our division of labor you know everybody had their spot in the van and they had their jobs that they did and yeah uh yeah it was it worked well yeah so it was wayne you and then bass and drums or was it bigger than that no 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 drums oh okay Um, yeah it was um well at the beginning uh we had two guitar players so we had wayne me on steel and then two guitar players, Bart Wildberg and Greg Harkins. And Greg mm-hmm. Harkins played a uh, hollow body, more jazzy. And Bart Wildberg played a Telecaster, more, you know, uh, we went through different bass players, but a, a doghouse bass with a lot of percussion. 
Yeah. Yeah. And um, the guy we worked with the most finally settled into this Harvey uh, Crowder from Tulsa. Excellent player. And uh, yeah, so it was, it was uh, Greg left after a couple of years. And so then there was uh, four of us. Yeah, it was really tight and disciplined and we, we worked together well. And Did you play on his records too, or were you just yeah, touring I, with him? I, I played the last record on Sling and Rhythm. That was his last record. Okay. So I played on that and he actually, uh, he asked me to write an instrumental for it, which that was the first for Wayne to. Uh, Wicked. So, yeah. That's an so honor. I, yeah. So I wrote um, a twin guitar tune called Over Easy and uh, Greg Harkins and I played twin guitar parts on it and it's on that record uh, Sling and Rhythm it's pretty cool it was inspired Over Easy is inspired by our frequent trips to Waffle House <laughs> uh, Wayne's perfect, one of Wayne's favorite places and, and it's no accident that Waffle House and Wayne Hancock have the same uh. initials you see? I do see. Yeah. I do see. Uh, so did Lloyd Maines produce that record? Yes. Yes. Okay. So how was that working with a, a steel player as a producer? Was that cool? Oh, well, it was super great. I mean, Lloyd is a, he's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. And so he makes everyone totally comfortable. Uh, he came up with some cool ideas for just like intros or whatever. Yeah. And uh, he knows He's produced all of Wayne's records, so yeah. they have a, a great working relationship. And uh, and he's a steel player, so he he loves the steel guitar, and you know, so it's very present on the record. Did that make him want to get in there and like get involved in the way that your steel sounded, or anything like that, or did he just sort of stay out of your way as far as that went? No, no, but he was uh, no, he was very complimentary and. Uh, he liked what I was doing. So, right. so don't mess with it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I've had him on the show actually. He was a super nice guy. I really. Yeah. A really, really nice guy. Yeah. He actually came up with the intro for uh, Over Easy. Oh, really? That was his idea. Yeah. It's yeah. good. Yeah. As far as what's next for you, you're going to do some more of these sort of EP kind of recordings. <laughs> and I think yeah. it's a great idea. It's a cool way to get music out there these days. I well, think it's really... I don't know. You know. COVID is still kind of going on. And uh, yeah. so it's kind of, it's, you know, just got to do work around it. And uh, do you, do you plan on taking your band out at all, like on tour and stuff, or are you well, mostly just planning to stay based around Austin? I think, see, it's really hard. Uh, a lot of the guys play in several bands and they right. play, you know, two or three, sometimes they play two or three gigs a day uh, around here. That's, how it, and so actually to get a band out on the road is um, an ordeal. That's, that's an ordeal. And yep. so it's just not, I don't think it's very uh, realistic. So what I'm doing is kind of what I do with the, when I go to the steel guitar conventions, I, I play there. I just go there with my charts and hand, you know, hand out my charts, the house band. And then we play these tunes and I'm playing a lot of standards. Mm -hmm. So so uh, actually I have, I booked this gig in uh, Long Beach, California at the end of March <laughs> and uh, at the Secret Island Tiki Bar. And I'm going to be. Oh, I know that place. I got a good friend in, in Long okay, Beach. Okay. Well, yeah. uh, uh, my friend uh, Dave Stuckey out there runs a bunch of bands. 
And so I'm going to open for his band and use some of his players. He's got a whole okay. pool of players. Yeah. And we're, and he, he like he likes the record wave. And so he's, he's going to play drums and he brought in a vibes player. Awesome. And, oh my uh, God. Jazz, I love that. Yeah. Jazz fiddle player and stuff. So it's going to be, it'll it's going to be really cool. And, uh, should make a live record there. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, anyway, so that, that's what I'm thinking is that I, I would, I would go play with, uh, I've done this before in the past. I, I have some swing, like these different swing pods of yep. friend players that play swing music and, uh, one in Lafayette, Louisiana, I've got some friends there. And, uh, so, so we you can just zip in and yeah, do a gig and zip out. Like, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And in Asheville, North Carolina, I've got some yeah. friends that play there and, and I've done that, you know, where you parachute in and with your charts and then we, sure play and yeah so it's i think that might have to be uh what i do for a while uh but it's no you work it out it's just a different way to navigate it and do you have a regular gig in austin at this point like or do you play a weekly somewhere i, I play sundays i play oh, cool. uh, cocktail steel yeah. sundays at samstown point which is in uh it's a little roadhouse in south austin they call it the the Alamo of South Austin. It's kind of the one of the last remaining sort of independent uh, old school clubs down there. Does it feel like all that that whole world is kind of getting squeezed out? I guess yeah. it probably does, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's, that's kind of why I like I like playing at Sam's because it's uh, still got a sort of a gravel road parking lot and it's easy to load in and it's. It's just, not, it's not stressful. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> so what night is, who, what night is that? Sundays. Every Sunday. So anyone in Austin can see you Sunday night at yeah, yeah, yeah. that place. Yeah. Awesome. And I've been playing with, uh, a lot with, uh, Dan Walton who plays piano on the wave record. Okay. And, he, and they also have, they have a B3 organ in the club. So it's set up. So there's the piano and then there's the organ. So he can go between both of them. But we've started, uh, there was one night that uh, I couldn't find a bass player for some reason. And he said, well, we can just do an organ trio. And so we tried that and it sounds really great. He covers all the bass lines on the organ. Was he rocking the, the foot, the pedals? Uh, no, he, he just has a great left hand. And, okay. uh, yeah. and uh, so he was, so he, he's a, a fantastic player. And so I think that's, that's what I'm looking at. Uh, kind of a organic steel. I love the combo of organ and steel guitar. I think it's very organ cool. and steel and drums. Yeah, Wicked. it's really uh, yeah, it's it's a cool sound. So that yeah. I think that's going to be my next little little recording coming down nice. the pipeline. I like yeah. it. I mean, Nashville has so many legendary steel guitar players, and and that's probably where you're going to see them. Is at these. Uh, I just went for a coffee the other day, and Lloyd Green was sitting there, so I know the feeling. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, Lloyd Green uh, was at the a couple years ago at the Dallas Steel Show, and uh, boy, he was he's such a great guy, and he oh, yeah. has wonderful stories. And he had, you know, I mean, there must have been five hundred people there, just riveted to him. And he's soft spoken. He's a soft spoken yeah. man, and uh, but he would just tell these stories, or he'd play the intro to a song, and everybody. <laughs> Everyone would just, you just, just the, you know, you could just, know. the whole room would just 
inhale or, you know, or just faint. And because uh, every, everyone was tuned into the music, you know, they were all Steel fans. And, he tell- yeah. and he, he's still really sharp. He's got all his moves in him oh, still. Yeah. And uh, he's funny, though. Like he to me, it, it's like he almost thinks that people don't want to hear him play that much. Like he just wants to he'll play the licks that he did on the song and then he kind of and then he'll stop. And it's just it's like I, I would just like to see him noodle away for like two and a half hours. But yeah, he doesn't seem to think that people want to hear him or something. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is exactly, but he's amazing. And he's amazing. It's, a, it's, it's incredible cool. that he's still around. And yeah, and yeah, yeah. That, that's the fun part of going to the one of the fun parts of going to the steel convention is a lot of the these guys who are legendary. Uh, you get to listen to him play and you get to hang out and talk yeah. with him. And uh, it's just, yeah. it's, yeah, it's just a, such a special time. It's really, yeah. uh, I love it. Well, I'll try and make it to that, to the Nashville one. It sounds intriguing. There you go. <laughs> right. Thanks Rose. That's really, uh, it's great to meet you and good to talk yeah, to you, you for too. a while and hear all your stories. And thanks so much for, for doing this. Oh, well, thanks for asking me. Yes, indeed. That was my conversation with Rose Sinclair. Hope you enjoyed it. I had a blast speaking with her and bringing you this episode, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks for another grooving little episode of Music Makers and Soul Shakers. We'll see you then. Music Makers and Soul Shakers is produced at the Hen House Studio in Nashville, Tennessee by Steve Dawson. Please remember to subscribe to the show and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. You can find more info on this episode, including show notes and an audio playlist at makersandshakerspodcast.com. Thanks again to our amazing sponsors this season, Ear Trumpet Labs, Union Tube and Transistor, Black Mountain Picks, Isotope, and Spectra 1964. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.